Good day. I'm Martin Webb, and welcome to The Climate Report for Thursday, November 10th, 2022. The Climate Report broadcasts and podcasts on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Today's Climate Report continues our ongoing series, diving into the very valuable Sierra Nevada Climate Vulnerability Assessment Report that was recently released after a couple of years of detailed analysis of what the future is going to look like here in the Sierra Nevada region. Please note all Climate Report shows are archived at KVMR's podcast page for re-listening and sharing. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. Before diving back into the report, a couple quick nuggets of local news. Both Nevada City and the city of Grass Valley have approved joining Placer County's Community Choice Aggregation Power Group. What that is, is it allows PG&E customers to still get service through PG&E lines and billing, but it directs PG&E to get the power generation from the local power authority. This means that roughly about half of every PG&E bill would stay in the local community as opposed to going to San Francisco. We'll have more on this effort and info in future shows. In other local news, a biomass project is now slated for Camptonville. After years and years of trying to get a biomass facility built in Grass Valley, including finding a site for it, it seems to have puttered out. And now Camptonville is next slated to try and have a forest biomass project. We'll also have more on that in future shows. We also want to clarify and issue a correction from the last climate report where we were talking about electric vehicles and how in many states the renewable energy portion of electricity provided to utility customers is quite high. We erroneously stated that in California's PG&E electric utility territory, that last year's power content mix showed that they were 100% carbon-free. That was incorrect. I was looking at the 2019 power content report because I save these every year, and I have them going back several years. The correct number for 2021, PG&E's power mix was 91% carbon emissions free. There was still 9% natural gas added into PG&E's mix last year. It changes from year to year, and by state law, they do have to issue sort of like an ingredients list on an annual basis of what their power mix was for the prior year. So in PG&E territory last year, it was 91% carbon emissions free. That includes 48% renewable power, 4% large hydro, which doesn't count as renewable because of the extra impacts of large hydropower, and then 39% nuclear power. So almost 50% renewable energy. Um, But when you add in the carbon-free power production of nuclear power, PG&E last year delivered 91% carbon emissions-free electricity. So people that are driving EVs can rest easy that you're not driving a coal power plant. Well, let's dive back into the Sierra Nevada Climate Vulnerability Assessment. In prior shows, we talked about who's doing this report, the Sierra Business Council, 
how they put it together, why they put it together. We talked a little bit about the Sierra Nevada region itself to give some identity uh, for folks. We talked about the Sierra Nevada is actually 25% of the land mass of the state of California and how it delivers 60% of the state's developed water supply. We talked about how the Sierra Nevada region as a whole is 88% pure wilderness, only 12% agricultural, and the human development footprint is less than one half of 1%. We also talked about how in this report, they identified the four main economic drivers for our region, which are tourism, recreation, natural resources, and agriculture, and how all four of those rely on a healthy outside, which looks to be a threat. We also talked about some of the initial large-scale findings, increased temperatures, less snow, less water, less snowpack, longer wildfire season, and now we're going to dive into the more granular details on how exactly is the Sierra Nevada expected to change over the coming decades. And to their credit, the Sierra Business Council looked at it in a triple bottom line way. They looked at three different things. How is climate change impacting our environment, the plants and animals and soil around us? How is it impacting the people that live here? And then how is it impacting the economy? because those are three different impacts that are somewhat all tied together. So let's dive right back into uh, where we had left off. We're going to talk about first the direct impacts to the environment before we talk about the people and the economic impacts. So the climate uh, summary part of the report says that these five hazards will be part of the future. Temperature increases, drought receding glaciers, poor forest health, and extreme precipitation. And these are the exact specific impacts expected here in the Sierra Nevada region. For the climate, wildfire is uh, going to see a decrease in soil moisture that can lead to poor forest health. Wildfire destroys forests and meadows in the Sierra, creating scars on the landscape that would take hundreds of years to regenerate or as we talked about, never regenerate at all because the pine trees in our Sierra Nevada forests do require hundreds of years to come back. And it's expected that when they try to come back, our climate will no longer be supportive of their type of tree species. Due to the size and intensity of our wildfires, it's expected that those will just remain blank spots and turn to shrubs and grasslands. Next, the impact on our local environment is expected in water quality. Warmer temperatures and less precipitation can lead to evaporation of surface water and no replenishment. So again, what we've talked about is in this year in Nevada, we're expected to get less water deliveries from the sky, from nature. When it does fall, it's expected to no longer be as much snow. It'll mostly be rain that just runs through. If snow does fall, it's expected to melt and run off. And what this is saying is that the surface water that does happen to remain after all of those issues, what we do have here on the surface of the ground will lead to increased evaporation. So what does stay will evaporate quicker. 
They also say that will impact our water quality because as you have a water basin that evaporates more and more water, the particulates and sediments and other minerals get higher, higher concentration as these pools and ponds and lakes get smaller and smaller. So it's expected that our water quality locally could be degraded when certain minerals are condensed, bacteria then grows, and animals then are left with restricted drinking water. Another expected impact is pine, pine trees leaving the area and heading higher up in elevations. Warmer temperatures and higher elevations can alter ecosystems, according to the report. The high Sierra pines will recede to cooler temperatures and oaks will climb in elevation as temperatures change. Another expected impact to our environment around us is meadow degradation. Warmer temperatures evaporate water and drought conditions prevent replenishment. Meadows that dry out are no longer a water storage source. They also have less ability for carbon capture and dry grasses become fuel for potential fires. So meadows, which are often overlooked, are an important part of our ecosystem. They store water, they store carbon, and if they're wet, they also can help create fire breaks. The problem is, with the droughts and the warmer temperatures, that's all going to switch. They expect water meadows will no longer be a water storage source. They'll store less carbon and more prone to fuel for fire. Then the report talks about invasive species. We should expect that to be an issue. Warmer temperatures can lead to more invasive plants that can overtake native plants, such as our native riparian trees that produce more shade. So as our native plants and trees uh, that provide more shade die off and invasive plants come in, that lack of shade will just make the ground hotter and evaporate more water out of the soil. They say that invasive plants such as cheatgrass may also increase the spread or intensity of fire. So there's an expectation that our more fire-resistant, shade-friendly trees and native plants will disappear, be replaced by less native plants that will actually increase the spread of fire. And then lastly, the impact to our local environment is flooding. Warm, intense precipitation events can lead to floods. Floods lead to surface erosion and can destabilize hill slopes, tree fall, and debris flows. This overwhelms streams, leading to stream degradation and increased sedimentation in water. So again, a common theme, in addition to the fires, 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 and heats and droughts that we've been hearing about, water is going to continue to be a very challenging issue because we will get less of it. It will stay for a shorter period of time. What does stay will evaporate and likely have worse water quality. So those are some of the expectations out of this report. Again, the reason we're highlighting this is it's the first time there's been a very dedicated scientific climate report done on just our region. And this is important for people to know who are living here and planning to stay here. This is what the science is showing. So that is their climate data summary for the impacts to our local environment. Um, Wildfire impacts, the pines are going to go up higher in elevation. The large fires won't be replaced by new trees. Water quality will be challenged. 
meadows will become challenged and invasive species will show up and flooding will be more of an issue. So now let's talk about the section of the report related to the impacts on our people and populations. As mentioned in a previous uh, climate report show on this, the report points out some interesting things about our people. It says that over half of the people living in the Sierra Nevada region belong to what are considered systematically underserved populations. Over half of the almost one million people living here. That includes people of color, the disabled community, indigenous people, and people living in poverty. That is the majority of our population, and those are systematically underserved populations. Again, that's people of color, disabled, indigenous, and people living in poverty. To underscore the size of the population that's living in poverty or in challenging economic circumstances, Across the Sierra Nevada region, housing-burdened residents represent the demographic group with the largest population. Over 40% of Sierra Nevada regional households are considered housing-burdened, and the majority of people in this group are renters. So almost 50%, almost the majority of people are struggling to live here, and the majority of those people are renters. Then they close by saying populations with the highest risk to climate hazards in our region are senior citizens, children, outdoor workers, and single access road residents. So here are some of the detailed findings of the impact on our people in the Sierra Nevada from climate change. There are six hazards that are going to create several impacts. The hazards are temperature increase, drought, flooding, air quality, wildfire, and ecosystem degradation. And here are the impacts to our people. It's expected to have an impact on respiratory illnesses, decrease in breath and lung function due to breathable ozone and small particulates from wildfires during outdoor work or recreation. There's expected to be an increase in respiratory illness in children, seniors, and outdoor workers who are exposed to smoke. So respiratory illnesses will be more and more of an issue, especially for the most vulnerable population, kids, seniors, and outdoor workers. Next, uh, some have been feeling this. Power outages are going to impact our population. Impacts to senior, disabled, or chronically ill residents on life-saving equipment or refrigerated medications are expected. A loss of business or learning opportunities is expected. So with power outages, businesses will be closed, schools will be closed. That leads to losses in our community of business and simply learning. And also a loss of perishables due to the lack of refrigeration. So respiratory illnesses will go up, power outages will continue, and will continue to impact the most vulnerable people as well as businesses, schools, and our ability to keep our food safe and cold. Next, uh, we're expected to see more weather-related mortality. Prolonged heat exposure increases the risk of heat-related illnesses in, you guessed it, children, seniors, disabled and ill people, and households without air conditioning. Extreme weather events increase the risk of damage, injury, and death to everyone. Next, mental health and stress is expected to be an impact in the Sierra Nevada region on our citizens from climate change. 
PTSD, grief, depression, and anxiety can increase in severity and occurrence during and after physical hazards and extreme weather events. People with less capacity to deal may experience the most stress due to financial burdens of evacuations and missed work. As we've talked about previously on other climate report shows, research shows that heat and extreme hot weather events leads to more domestic violence, more stress, more depression, and more suicide. So mental health and stress impacts in the Sierra Nevada are expected. Next, another impact in the Sierra Nevada to our population from climate change, according to this report, is an increased need for medical services. Outdoor workers, individuals in poverty, and groups unable to escape climate hazards may experience more illnesses requiring medical attention. And Sierra Nevada residents tend to travel longer distances in order to find the care that we need, increasing the cost to us. So there's expected to be an increased need for basic medical services, and it's going to be more expensive to find those services and get those needs met because we're such a rural, spread-out community. So more medical needs, higher costs. And then lastly, the impact to the population and the people in the Sierra Nevada, reduced cultural practices. Indigenous people in the Sierra have spiritual ties to land, species, and waterways that may be destroyed by wildfire, drought, or erosion. Less outdoor recreation opportunities may alter the demographics of the Sierra Nevada. So again, these are the, uh, the six topics that are expected to impact our people. Respiratory illnesses going up, power outages going up, and the impacts felt from those, weather-related mortality, mental health and stress, increased need for medical services, and reduced cultural practices. Well, then that leaves us with the third um, of the triple bottom line analysis. We talked about the impacts to our actual physical environment. We just went through the impacts on the humans and the people. Next, this is what's expected for the economy here in the Sierra Nevada. One of the very most important parts of this report. The, the hazards that are expected are some of the same. Temperature increase, drought, flooding, air quality, wildfire, and ecosystem degradation. Those are the things expected to increase here in the Sierra Nevada. Hotter temperatures, less water, more flooding when water does show up, worse air quality, more fires, and just gen general ecosystem degradation. So how's that going to impact our economy? Well, they've got six different bullet points here. First is ski resort operating days. Changing precipitation patterns and overall warming temperatures will impact the days with skiable snow cover. Shorter ski seasons may impact the ancillary hospitality, food and beverage and retail sectors in winter recreation destinations. So again, less snow, shorter seasons, that means less people actually skiing, and that means less hospitality, food, beverage, and retail support in those regions. Then the other impact to our economy in the Sierra Nevada is altered food production. Remember that the four main drivers of our region economically are tourism, recreational, natural resources, and agriculture. And after, wild, uh, after the wilderness 
Um, 88% of the Sierra Nevada's wilderness agriculture is the next largest land use at 12%. So it's a big economic driver. However, they say in this report, changing temperatures and water availability challenges will impact the types of crops and the amounts grown in the Sierra. So we may be growing different food and maybe getting less of a harvest. They also say that agricultural workers may be at highest fiscal risk from water shortages and health risks due to air quality. Another impact on our economy is natural resource labor. This is actually a place where they say there may be some sort of bright spot as renewed interest in the timber industry and biomass production may increase demand for forestry laborers. A growing need for conservation and prescribed burning will require a new workforce. So while there's an expectation of loss of jobs in most or many of the sectors in our region that drive our economy, when it comes to taking care of the overgrown forest, that's where they see there will be a need for jobs. In other climate change impacts to our region, the report predicts business revenue losses. Businesses closed due to evacuations experience large revenue losses. Reduced visitation to our region due to climate hazards lowers revenue in tourism-based economies. And small businesses may thus become less viable, resulting in relocation. And if you're a local that lives in Nevada County around the KVMR uh, station area, you've noticed and seen that quite a lot of our small local businesses, whether new or old, continue to shutter their doors. Next, in regards to our economy, a demand on infrastructure is expected. There will be an increasing need for both cooling and warming and evacuation centers. So with extreme weather being really hot and really cold, that just makes more of a demand for more energy. A high cost of living here demands affordable housing and reliable broadband. And sustainable tourism requires parking lots, bike paths, restrooms, trash pickup, etc. And then lastly, when it comes to our Sierra Nevada economy, they expect some industry pivots. The main economic drivers in the Sierra Nevada region may see dramatic shifts in operations over the coming years. Public sectors will need to focus more resources on climate mitigation and adaptation. And we should expect land use changes due to fire or degradation. In their bullet point summary of the economic impact, it says sectors that employ the majority of the population are local government and social services like healthcare, education, and utilities. Now let's clarify, there's a difference between who has the most, what industries have the most jobs available versus what industries create the most revenue. So while tourism, recreation, natural resources, and agriculture generate the most revenue for our region, they don't actually employ a lot of people. The largest employers are local government and social services. And again, those don't necessarily create any revenue. The government and social services, those aren't for-profit entities. The average median household income in the Sierra Nevada covers just below $60,000 a year, while the average cost of living for a couple with one child is over $75,000. A 
Low wages are common in rural areas of California, and the cost of living in the Sierra typically exceeds our income levels. And then lastly, they close the economic section by saying, the most vulnerable industry to climate hazards in the Sierra Nevada may be tourism and recreation. Workers in these industries will be heavily impacted by reduced visitation and wildfires. These careers in tourism and recreation offer the lowest pay in the Sierra Nevada region, indicating that this group of workers will have less capacity to adapt to all of these future climate hazards, as well as reduced work opportunities. This alone may lead to a mass outmigration of the working class from the entire Sierra Nevada region. So let's recap again the three parts of the triple bottom line of the report. There are the impacts to our physical environment, the natural environment, impacts to people, and impacts to our economy. So the impacts to our natural environment are more wildfires, longer season, and we should expect the forests to, be, the forests to begin disappearing as they will not regenerate in time for the climate to change around them. We're expected to see worse water quality and less water, period. We're expecting to see the pine trees that do stay head farther uphill to stay in cooler temperatures. The oak trees will begin rising in elevation. We should expect meadows to begin degrading in their health. And instead of turning into a bank for carbon and fire breaks, they may actually begin fueling fires and giving off carbon. Invasive species are expected to come in and make life difficult. And then lastly, flooding is expected to challenge our water quality. The impacts on populations, respiratory illnesses should go up. Power outages will continue to be a problem. Weather-related stress and mortality, as well as an increased need for medical services, which are more costly for us up here because we tend to drive longer distances. And less outdoor recreation and reduced cultural practices for the indigenous that use the local territories and waterways, land and species for all sorts of reasons. The impacts to the economy we just went through, ski resort operating days will shrink, which will impact all of the economic um, revenue drivers around the ski resorts. We should see altered food production, growing different food and less food. Agricultural workers will be impacted greatly. We should see an increased need for forest workers, but businesses which tend to close for evacuations and power outages will continue to experience losses, and we should expect reduced visitation as our area just becomes known as being on fire during the summer, that will impact our small local businesses and our economy. There will be an increased demand on infrastructure for people who decide to stay here through all these decades of extreme weather events. And all of our drivers for the economy may have to pivot and find different ways to keep revenue going. There should be expected to be land use changes as well. So I apologize if this sounds scary because I continue to get emails from people I know saying, I heard your show. What does this mean? Should I leave? Should I stay? I certainly can't make those decisions for people, but I felt it was vitally important to make sure that this very targeted information to our area was shared because virtually 
No news outlet in the Sierra Nevada paid any attention to this report or talked about it. And it's extremely important to know these are real things that are happening and will continue to impact those of us that stay, live, work, and play here. Now, we will have one more segment on our next show, the fourth Thursday in November, where we'll talk about Nevada County specifically, because after going through the region as a whole, they did look at every single county and they graded them on their ability to handle the different capacities and challenges of climate change based on the people we have, the money we have, and our ability to work together. So I hope you're able to tune in for the next Climate Report as we wrap up our special series on the Sierra Nevada Climate Vulnerability Assessment Report. Well, that's all for today's Climate Report, broadcasting and podcasting here on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. I'm Martin Webb. For daily news headlines in between broadcasts, including heaps of good news and tips, there is a Climate Report social media page. And as always, today's show will be archived and posted to the KVMR website podcast page for sharing or re-listening. Links can be found there. For questions or comments, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org.